But you know those times when you just feel like, I am just going to lose it. I am just going to lose it right now. You know, we had our, our baby boy last Sunday, which was awesome. Yeah. It's not that great at three in the morning, though. Um, you know, and everything was healthy and it was beautiful, and I, I couldn't have asked for a better moment. You know, it's, I, you can understand. I mean, she goes in the, you know, the hospital last uh, Sunday morning, and my midwife comes in first thing in the morning, just big smile on her face, and she looks at us and she goes, you two have no idea. You have no idea how much I've prayed for you this week. She goes, ever since Monday, every day I've been praying for this birth. And I prayed that God would show me a sign, you know, just a sign from him that this was the time to take the baby. And she just gives this big old grin. She goes, look at those contractions. You know, she just goes, this is God. And just, you know, I mean, whoever has a doctor pray for them and say they've been praying for this birth. When you, you know, she births, you know, 100 kids a day, just saying, no, I prayed for this one, this one. This was just special. And you're going, gosh, it just was cool. And then my oldest daughter was there. My oldest daughter, Rachel, who was nine, she actually helped deliver the baby and she, you know, got to grab the head, you know, with the, and pull the baby out. And, and I'm watching as she's just sobbing, just crying, pulling out her little brother and holding him, being the first one to hold him and, and then passes it to mom and then, you know, cuts the umbilical cord and comes running to me just sobbing and we're just crying together for like half an hour, just, you know, just what an emotional, just amazing experience it, it was. And then, you know, and then this week, just, just looking at his little body and holding him and just, just looking at his face and going, gosh, you know, a boy, it's just different, you know, it's just different feelings arise, you know, it's like, oh, I want to hunt now, you know, I, I want to, you know, it's my boy, let's go, you know, just, it's different, you know, and, 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 and they're all, they're equally exciting, it's just these, these new feelings arising and, 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 but, you know, with all of that, I, I can honestly say I, I am more excited about what I've learned about God this week than I am about the birth of my child. And I know that sounds so weird to some of you. Like, well, what's he talking about? What a moment that was. And you're saying you, you had a greater moment in your time with God. And I can honestly say, yeah, without exaggerating, absolutely. I mean, the things I've learned about God and just my relationship with Him this week, it's been amazing. And, and that's what I'm trying to say, you know, over this series of joy is, is that it's not about circumstances that bring the joy into your life. It's about this relationship with Him that really is that good. It really is that good knowing this God and learning about Him. And granted, a lot that I've learned about Him was not just from His Word, but also just through this, this little boy and, and, and just how fragile he is. You know, you know, with the newborn, how just how fragile that body is. You know, in fact, I got, I got a picture of him of, of Ezekiel. You know, um, if you guys throw him up there, he uh, it's 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 crazy because he he looks nothing like me. He's uh, you know he, he doesn't look like any of my other kids either. He's a little white guy, and uh, <laughs> he's got the blonde hair, the blue eyes, and white skin, and. He's got enough of the eyes, you know, of mine to where I'm not suspicious. Um, but just, you know, but, but you just, you, you're just holding this little guy, you know, his little arms, you know, his little, well, he's got big hands. I don't know where he gets that. Um, 
But, uh, you, you know, just, just his little toes, his little body. But, you know, I'm just thinking about this week, you know, when, when my girls want to carry him, you know, because the girls always go, I want to carry him. It's like, oh, okay, you know, but be careful. You know, sit down. You know, don't, don't walk around with him because he's so fragile. You know, and, and you just worry about, about it, every little fall, because every, you think, gosh, so many things can still go wrong. He's so little, you know, and then you guys want to poke at him with all your germs, you know, and then, you know, <laughs> you know but, but it's just like, gosh, you know, he's too fragile. And, and, and you're just walking around with this little boy and looking at his face going, gosh, don't, don't let anything happen. You know, I, I, I got to protect, got to protect, got to protect. I'm going to turn that off so people will look at me. You know, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing is, you know, as, as I, I, I look at him, you go, okay, now when will he no longer be fragile? When he's one? Five? What do you think, 15? When he gets married? When he has, you know, I'm 38, I, I still feel fragile. You know, and you just start realizing, you know what, this is life. Life is crazy. You, you know, I, I look at my life even this week and I go, you know, I, I, could, just, I could just fall apart any second. Any second. I, I, you, this, this morning, this morning, you, I'm up at three in the morning, you know, listening. You know, we've got the 13-month-old at home too, and so I've got these two babies crying, screaming. You know, you talk about being on edge, you know, ready to lose it. You know, everything in me just wants to go, ah, how do you like it? Ah, you know, just... You're just, oh, you're just going crazy, going, man, I'm going to lose it. I am going to totally lose it right now. Last night, last night, I get home, you know, I've, we've been together the whole time, you know, helping out with the babies because it's just nuts at home. And, and last night, I got my first break. I got to leave and come here and preach, you know, and go home. I get home, I get home, and I find out that our next door neighbor, the guy next door, just screamed his head off at my wife. Because someone came by to, to drop off a, a baby gift, you know, and, and accidentally parked her car just a little bit into his driveway, he comes over and just at the top of his lungs just starts yelling in my wife's face. And so I'm hearing about this from my wife and everything inside of me. You know, because it's one thing for someone to yell at me, but you yell at my wife, you know, and all these feelings of just going, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. I am going over there, you know, and it took every ounce of the Holy Spirit in me, you know, to go, you can't. You can't. You, you blow it and everything's over. You lose your temper. You make this one mistake and boom, it's over. Your ministry, it's all gone. And you just go, gosh, this is so fragile, you know, as I'm getting more and more angry. And I, and I just kind of look at my wife. I go, so honey, what do you want me to do? What, what do you want to do? And she goes, well, I was thinking maybe we should make him something and bring it over there and apologize. Okay, Christian, you know. It's just, oh, you know, it's like, yeah, that's right, bless those who curse you, you know, but it's just like, oh, you know, everything in me where you just feel like, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to explode. I'm going to take my babies over there at him, you know. You know, just, just, ah, <laughs> oh, it just, you just realize this is life. You just think everything is so delicate, isn't it? Don't you feel like there's just times where you're just going to throw your Christianity out the door, you're just going to lose it, and I just think, gosh, you know how much is at stake? 
You know, and, and I think, gosh, the temptation in the world. I go, gosh, what if someone, you know, what if there's a pop-up ad on, on, on one of my emails for pornography? What if I, I push the wrong button? You know, I push that button and boom, my ministry's over. It's just, just like that. Everything can fall apart. It's like, man, I lose my temper. I do the wrong thing and boom, everything's over. And, and I just feel like I'm just teetering here. I think of, of a balance beam. You, you ever watch the balance beam competition in the Olympics? Don't, don't you hate it? I, I hate it. Because the whole time you're holding your breath, right? The whole time you're just going, oh, no, 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 don't, 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 don't fall. Because, you, you know, you get up on this thing. And, uh, and, and this, is, uh, this, this, is, this is what life is like, you know? And you just feel like you're teetering at every moment. Like, you know what? I, I, whoa, whoa, you know, I, I'm going to fall, you know? And then you go all night without sleeping. It's even harder not to fall. You know, and then everything just begins to, well, you know, gee, that one wasn't fake. Um, it, it's, it's, it's nuts. And, 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 you know, and I was thinking about it, I was going, gosh, you know, this church, you know, as I was praying a, a, couple, weeks, sorry, a couple weeks ago, just praying for the church, and I'm going, this thing could fall apart today. It really could. You think, okay, no, no, it's a stable, it's a strong church, look at all the people, look at where we are. No, 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 you don't understand. Just a little bit of gossip, a little bit of division, oh, and this thing's done. I've seen it happen in so many churches. You know, me and Josh were praying for the, for the college over there, for, for Eternity Bible College, going, man, this is, this is amazing. And then we're looking at all the things that could go wrong and going, we're just teetering. This thing's going to fall apart any second. You know, you start looking at life and you start going, you know what, look at my own morality. It's like, gosh, I thought I was firm. And then it's like, whoa, you know what, a little bit of anger and it's over. My ministry's over. That little bit of lust, get out of control. It's over. It's over. It's done. Just like that. It doesn't seem fair. You know, you, you look at your marriages sometimes. And, and I talk to so many couples that they go, gosh, I thought everything was so good. And then we had that one day. It's amazing what can change in one day. Each one of your kids, you know, now with each kid I'm going, gosh, you know what? How do I know they're all going to walk with the Lord? I have no control over this. I can't make them all grow up. I'm only my little boy going, gosh, I want him to serve you. I want him to follow you. I have no control over this. I have no control over whether he's going to love you or not. And then you look at all your kids and the ones that you thought, gosh, you were my perfect kid. What happened? What happened in everything? You just feel like, this is my life. Just teetering. Where, 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 where I just feel like, oh, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to fall. There's no way I'm going to make it. And so you start thinking, okay, maybe if I, okay, I'll, I'll stop ministry. You know, maybe, maybe I'll give one of my kids away. I'll, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'm going to make my life easier. You know what? I'm going to get a you know, nice little house and protect it. You know, pretty soon, this is your life. <laughs> you know? And, and so you... You crawl up, you walk softly, you start to teeter, and you start going down like this, and you start holding on, just kind of waiting to die. Going, okay, all right. And then, then you pray towards the end of your life, God, I pray that I die in my sleep, you know, and I don't even feel it. And so when I pass on from life to death, I just slowly, carefully die. And then, you know, and you stand, you know. <laughs> And you imagine, you see that routine, you know, and it's the Olympics, you know, Carrie Strickland, you know, whoever gets up and just hugs the thing and it slowly gets off and goes, you know. And what are the judges going to do? 
Oh, degree of difficulty. Yeah. You know? And, and, and yet, honestly, it's our fears and stuff like that. I mean, we start living that way. And you've got to realize one day you come before the judge and go, hey, what would you think of that performance? What would you think of my life? Because we get scared, and once we start to teeter, then we start taking everything away. And man, I know the feeling. Gosh, I feel into this week, just going, God, I don't want to do anything crazy anymore. I just want to simplify everything. It's just too much. I'm going to fall. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and you guys, you know what, what I found, though, is uh, it, it was like a revelation to me. I like it up here. Um, <laughs> is that when I was praying, when I was praying with Joshua about the college, it was the coolest thing because as I'm praying and I'm going, God, the church, you know, could fall apart. The cause, you fall apart. Every staff person, it seems like they're getting more and more in their life and they're just teetering and, and just trying to hold on for dear life. And, and as I was saying all these things, it was like there was this revelation coming to me as I prayed. And I said, God, thank you. Thank you that life is so out of control. Thank you that it's teetering right now because it, it makes me reach out for your hand. It, it makes me hold on to you. And if everything were stable, I don't know that I would do that. And, and every time I reach for your hand, I'm holding his hand going, wow, this is good. I don't ever want to let go. There's nothing better than this. And I began to thank God for the instability of life. Going, Lord, I'm glad that this is my life because it makes me reach out for you. And anything that makes me reach to you is a good thing. And for the first time in my life, just starting to thank God for how out of control everything is. And when you begin to do that, and the more you hold his hand, the more you start going, you know what, I can do anything on this thing. If I'm holding his hand, I can do anything. Okay, watch this. Woo! You know, you know just, just whatever. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and just you know, flipping around. And it's like, you know, this is the way God means uh, for me to live life. You know, just try some crazy things where it's like, man, I can't pull that off. I can't pull that off. You know, and some of you go, you well, maybe I've been living the safe life and I've just been kind of tiptoeing through life, you know, not wanting to fall. And, and now I'm at the end and I'm going, you know what, then do some sort of crazy dismount. You know what I mean? It's the end of the routine. Don't just slowly step off. Just go, all right, all right. <laughs> you know, just, just do something that just where you just go, man, okay, God, let me, just, let me just end it good. Let me just do something that's just out of control. Let me just, just try something with your power. See, that's the way God wants us to live life. Not grabbing on and trying to hold on for some security, not tiptoeing, worried about falling off. It's just saying, you know what, you're, you're not going to fall. Just hold on to me. You see, I, I actually, I'm thanking God for the fact that like it or not, there is no security outside of God. That's the way He set up this world. There, there's absolutely no security you can have outside of Him. And that used to drive me crazy because I'm a control freak, like all of you are. Okay? Where when we don't have control, we don't like it. I, I want to know that I can fix it. I want to know that it's within my limits, within my parameters. And when it's not, when it's out of my control, like, like whether I can make my kids love God or keep my kids healthy, keep myself healthy. 
And you look at the world and you go, gosh, you know, everything's falling apart. You know, I used to hate that. And now I go, you know, Lord, this is good. This is good because every day I've got to come to you. I've got to depend on you. I've got to grab your hand because I'm just teetering. You know, you look at the news and you go, oh, man, another 40,000 people in that earthquake. And, and you read it and it's almost like, okay, what, what's, what's it going to be next week? Hurricane? Flooding? Tsunami? Earthquake? Famine? War? Terrorists? Blowing them up in the subway? They got that bird flu now? Pandemic that they're saying, you know what, this, this, could, reach, this could kill millions of people? And you go, this is just out of control. This is out of control, and I used to hate it. I used to hate feeling out of control. And now I'm going, God, I'm so thankful. See, that's what I was able to do when I prayed. I go, God, how else would I want life? How else would I want to live life? Because if it was all easy, I wouldn't reach out to you. And so thank you, because anything that makes me reach to you is a good thing. You know, um, if someone were to ask you the question, what is the greatest good on this earth? How would you answer that? If someone were to ask you, what's the greatest thing you could experience during your time on this planet? How would you answer it? Think about it. Would you talk about one of your hobbies? Saying, oh man, there's nothing better than a, a great round of golf or, you know, great day shopping, a great day, you know, all you can eat. You know, uh, what would you say? Would you say, you know, no, no, the greatest thing is when, when I can walk into my home, see my kids and there's peace and there's love and... Is that it? Is that the greatest thing you'd say you could experience on this earth? Is it intimacy with your spouse and connecting and going, you know what, this is it. It's the greatest thing I can experience. What would you answer? See, for, for me, I say the greatest good on this earth is God, period. And the greatest thing I can experience while I'm on this planet is intimacy with my Creator. I tell you, as good as everything else is that He gives us, there is nothing like just your own soul connecting with your Creator and saying, I love you. And, and just knowing that you're loved and that connection and that relationship, that bond with Him. And that's why I say, you know what, I thank God for instability because it makes me reach out for Him again. And that's a good thing. Anything that pushes me toward God is a good thing. That's why for those of us who say God is the greatest good on this earth, intimacy with God is the greatest thing I can experience, then we can thank God for pain because we go, you know what, God? I, I was struggling during that painful time, but I look back and go, gosh, it brought me closer to you. And that's the greatest thing I could have on this earth. The greatest thing I could have is fellowship with you. You see, I love what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he talks about his hardships. And, 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 and you'll have to read the whole chapter sometime to, to really get it in context because he's talking about the pain that we go through in life. But, but I love what he says in, in 2 Corinthians 1, in verse 8, when he talks about these severe trials, this hard time he has. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, 
about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But note this, he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul says, I I want to tell you how bad it was. Because let me tell you how bad my life was. Let me tell you how painful, how much struggle, how much pressure I was under. He he says that that he's under great pressure, and I love that phrase, far above, far beyond our ability to endure. Think about that. He goes, you know how much pressure I was under? Far beyond my ability to endure. He didn't say, gosh, I didn't know if I was going to make it. He goes, it was impossible. You know how impossible it was. It wasn't just kind of impossible. It was really impossible. Far beyond. I know that doesn't make any sense grammatically, but you know, just the whole idea of far beyond my ability to endure. Because it's just so out there. So much pressure that he said, he uses the words, in our hearts, in the very core of my being, he says, I felt the sentence of death. He says that, he goes, in, in the very core of me, I just said, I'm dead. I know it. I, I, I'm like shackled up, ready to be lethally injected, put in a gas chamber, nailed to a cross. I'm done. He goes, in my heart, it was already game over. I already felt it. I felt that certainty of death. The, the pressure was way beyond what I could handle. It was just impossible for me to endure. I couldn't do it. Have you ever felt that way? We just put in the situation where you go, God, I, I can't do it. I'm done. I'm done. It's over. I'm, I'm a dead man. Dead woman. It's, I'm not going to make it. And what he says in that last phrase, he says, but this happened. It's happened for a reason. He didn't say, oh, I can't believe Satan did that to me. You know, it was out of God's control. He couldn't help it. No, he says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He says, you know why God put me in this impossible situation where I thought I'm already dead in my heart? I already said I'm dead. And it's beyond my ability, far beyond my ability to endure. He says, so that... I would stop relying on myself. So I'd stop thinking, oh, I can control this. Oh, I can fix this. Oh, I can make it work. He says, so I'd have to surrender and say, forget it. And I might have to rely on the one, he says, who raises from the dead. He had to reach out for the hand of God and go, okay, this is good because you can raise a person from the dead. So what do I have to be fearful of? See, to Paul, the trials were a good thing because they made him, they forced him to rely on God. And it's been like this new revelation in my life to go, you know what, God? I like the way everything's out of control. I'm not going to try to make it secure and hold on and and try to hold on to myself because I can't. I can't anyways. I'm thankful that life is out of control right now, totally out of my control because it makes me hold on. And that's a good place to be. It's a great place to be. It's the only place to be. Yeah, he, he says a, a passage that a lot of us are familiar with, Psalm 127, reminding us that, you know what? 
I don't, know what, I don't know what you guys are pursuing in life right now, but you have no control over it. Do you realize that? I don't know if you're pursuing a relationship right now. I don't know if you're pursuing the building of a home, a job, a career, a move, a family. Whatever it is you're after right now, do you realize you have absolutely no control over it? You can't make it happen. Psalm 127, verse 1. He says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. You understand that verse? (laughs) It's saying there's one person with control, and that's God. Unless God wants that house built, those people can build all day, all night, and he'll knock it down. You want to try to look at God and say, okay, I bet you I can build this house and you can't knock it down. All right. (laughs) Try. He says, don't you understand? You you can't do anything outside of God. Not out of God allowing it. He is sovereign. He's in control. And unless he decides, okay, I want that house built, because you're going to labor in vain. Unless he wants you to get that promotion. Unless he wants you to have that child. Unless he wants you to have that relationship. Unless he wants you to have that home. Unless he wants you to have your health back, it's, it's, it's out of your control. He, he says, I'm in control. And unless I build the house, you're just going to labor in vain. And he goes on, he says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen guard it in vain. He goes, unless God really wants that city protected, I don't care how big your army is. If God wants that city destroyed, it'll be destroyed. You can gather all the armies of the earth, and if God says, I don't want that city protected... Good luck. It's not going to happen. We, we can sit here in America and go, oh, but look at our, our armies. Look at, you know, how secure we're We're not secure. Are you kidding me? God says, unless I guard the city, it's not going to be safe. You know, here in Simi Valley, we want the safe home, right? Let's protect, let's protect, let's protect. I want to protect my family. All of our furniture is made of rubber. You know, we, we got everything. Everything's taken care of in here. No one leaves the house, you know. And it's, it's like, are you kidding me? He goes, you can't protect your house. You can't do anything without me. And he goes, in vain. In vain. You rise up early. You stay up late toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. He says, you know what, you can run around crazy or you can be like those people that I love and they can just rest, they can sleep. In fact, in the Hebrew, that can be translated two different ways. One is the idea of them being so peaceful in God that they can just sleep. The other is that he gives to his beloved in their sleep. Like they could be sleeping and their wages being earned and everything's being taken care of. Why? Because God's in control of that. This whole idea, what do you want to do? You want to fight against God and try to control and make everything happen or do you just rest and go, you know what? You're in control. You got no security. You have no control over what you're trying to pursue. You guys all financially secure right now? You guys set up? You guys diversify? It's important to diversify. You know, get a, get a home in Florida, you know, get, 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 get some stocks, get you know, some in the bank. You just invest in a bunch of different things and then you'll be secure. Because there's no way, there's no way if you diversify that God could take you down, right? There's no way. You can't touch it. Not once you diversify. It's just God's going, you've got no control. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 
You're going to put houses in enough places where I can't take them all down? That's funny. I love what he says in the book of Haggai, Haggai chapter 1. Gosh, it just makes it so clear. In Haggai, the situation is, is, is that was when the temple of God was, was in ruins. And the people didn't go to rebuild the temple of God. They just went and took care of their own stuff and tried to build up their own homes and security for themselves. And God says to them in Haggai chapter 1, verse 5, He says, hey, this is what the Lord Almighty says. He goes, give careful thought to your ways. He goes, you planted much, but you, you harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, you never have your fill. You put on clothes, you're never warm. And I love this phrase, I think we can all relate. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. I just put three grand in the bank, where'd it go? You know, how many times have we made a statement like, where did it all go? And God answers that question. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up in the mountains, bring down timber, build the house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. God says, you remember all that money you earned and then I, it just disappeared? You want to know where it went? I blew it away. <laughs> he just goes, you know what? That house you tried to build and you put everything into, you know what happened? I knocked it over. You know why? Because all you're thinking about is yourself and you're trying to do everything by yourself and you, you don't even care about my temple. My temple lies in ruins. You know what you should do? Put me first. Go build my temple and then, then I'll take care of your house. But meanwhile, you're... you're building your own little kingdom over there and forgetting all about me. He says, you want security? He tells you, you want security? Then take care of me. Go do something for me. He, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 6. You want security? Then seek the kingdom first. And then all these things will be given to you. See, there is security to be found on this earth and it's a perfect security where you can't lose. If you truly have faith in God, he says in, in Matthew 6, verse 31, he says, don't worry. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? He says, the pagans run after those things. The people who don't love me, who don't know me, they run over those things. He goes, but your heavenly Father, he knows that you need them. So he says, so all you need to do is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek him first. And then all those things will be given to you. And then don't worry about it. That I can be in perfect security as long as I give to God first. As long as I'm reaching out to Him first. As long as He's my first priority. You guys, in the verse, the passage that, that helped me the most with this is Psalm 37. And this will wrap it up. Psalm 37. Oh, this is so powerful. Psalm 37, verse 23. Listen to what the psalmist says. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Hear that? If the Lord delights in a man's way, he's going to make his steps firm. And then he says, Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. It's like, yeah, yeah, you'll teeter a little bit, but you're not going to fall. 
because the Lord holds you with his hand. Then he says this, I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They're always generous and lend freely and their children will be blessed. (laughs) I love that. This is written by an old man. And he goes, he goes, I was young like you. He goes, now I'm old. He goes, I, I've seen a lot, a lot, a lot of things in my lifetime. But he goes, you know, one thing I've never, never seen is the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. It's like they keep giving, 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 seeking God first, and yet all my life I've never seen that their children suffered for it. They're not the ones out begging, the ones that were generous and giving to the poor, giving to the needy, seeking God first. He goes, I've seen a lot of things in my life. I have yet to see the righteous forsaken. It doesn't happen. God sees everything. And that's why he says, you know what? You, you, want to, you want to stand on firm ground? You want to make sure you never fall, never stumble? He says, then live a life that's right in his eyes, that he delights in. And then you're safe. Seek him first, you're totally safe. Have you been doing that? Are you seeking him? You see, the instability in life leads us to that. I was asked a question. I was asked a question. It was at one of our, uh, you know, every, every winter we have this Utah trip for the college students. And, uh, and that's probably, I, I don't know, three, four years ago. I, I was speaking at it, and one of the college students came up to me and he asked me a question, and I had no answer for him. He, he came to me and, and he asked this. He said, um, why would a loving God force me to love him? And my immediate answer was, God doesn't force you to love him. You don't have to love him. That's your choice. And he says, no, no, no. He goes, you don't understand. God forces me because he threatens me with hell and punishment if I don't begin a relationship with him. He says, so I don't want a relationship with God, but I also don't want to go to hell. And so I'll jump into this relationship with God, but I don't get how a loving God can do that. Good question, huh? And and at that time, I just said, "Go to bed." Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I told him, "Let me let me think about this one." And because that's that's a that's a very that was a really good question. Isn't he forcing me then? And how could a loving God force me into relationship with him like that? And uh, I I know how I'd answer now. If God is truly the greatest good on this planet, which he believes he is, and he believes a relationship with him is the greatest thing you can experience on this earth, then the question is, could that God be loving if he didn't push you toward the greatest good on this earth and what was best for you? Could a loving God not lead you, court you, 
prod you, push you, force you, you know, lure you towards the greatest thing you could experience on the earth and still be loving. And if he didn't do that, and then you came to the end of your life and your eyes are open and you saw, God, you were the greatest thing I could have experienced, your question would be, then why didn't you draw me to yourself? Why didn't you push me? Why didn't you lure me? Why didn't you court me? Why didn't you get me there? You knew what was best for me and you didn't lead me that direction. You would question God's love. Because he wouldn't be a loving God if he didn't lead you toward him, push you toward him, do everything he could to get his creation to come to him knowing that he was the greatest good. Two weeks ago I was at Azusa Pacific University and I, you know, I, I spoke there for a week and then I heard John Piper was going to be there the next week and so I was like, I'm going to go because to me, he's my hero. Everything I've read that he's written, I just go, gosh, this guy knows the Lord. And... Uh, and I'll never forget the statement he made when he was talking about how God is the greatest good on this earth. He looks at this group of thousands of university students and he just says, this older man just who's lived life and been with the Lord, he just looks at the people and he goes, God is saying to you today, I have one goal for you. Me. And they're just so powerful. You just go, man, everything else you would pursue isn't going to match up to me. I don't want you finding fulfillment in this and finding fulfillment in that because i got something so much better than that. It's me. And how God is glorified when we enjoy Him and are satisfied in Him. Do you believe that, though? Do you believe the greatest thing you could experience is God? God, just God. See, I, I read this book this week, you know, that, 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 that he wrote it called God is the Gospel. And the whole premise of it is how a lot of times when we think of the Gospel or the good news, the good news is I don't have to go to hell. Good news is Jesus died on that cross for me and I'm forgiven. The good news is I get to go to heaven. No more pain, no more this, no more that. And the whole book is saying, I think we've missed it. God is the good news. A relationship with God, that's the good news. You can have God, not just what God can provide, but God himself, a relationship with him. See, there's this paragraph I want to read to you that just rocked me this week. He starts off with a question and he says this, Would you, think about this, would you be happy in heaven if Christ were not there? And explains it. He says the critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness, all the friends you ever had on earth, all the food you ever liked, all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, no human conflict, no natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? Man, that just nailed me. Because I just sat and I thought, I wonder how many people 
could say, yeah, I could handle that. And began to wonder how many people come to, to church here because you wanted something from God. Well, maybe if I pursue this, then he'll give me that marriage I always wanted, the kids I wanted, the stuff I wanted. And where, or, or then I can have forgiveness. Then I can have heaven. And those are all good things. But the question is, what if he's not in it? What if you're not with him? Is it a person that you're in love with or just his stuff? I, I've counseled husbands that said, you know what, my wife, she doesn't care about me. She just wants to make sure I bring home the paycheck. Make sure, you know, I take care of the kids every once in a while. Make sure she can go shopping, you know, and I got a house for it. That's all she cares about. She doesn't care about me. I hear wives, you know, come to me and say, you know, my, my husband, he doesn't care about me. He just wants to make sure that I raise his kids, you know, and make sure, you know what, I give him all the physical pleasure he wants when he wants it, but it's not about me. And what an awful feeling, a feeling of, of having a child that says, you know, Dad, I, I, I don't really care about you, but where's my allowance? And I, I got to live here because there's nowhere else I'm going to go. And there's nothing better, is there, than, than when your spouse can look you in the eyes and with full conviction say, I love you. And for you to look her in the eyes and go, I know, I know you love me. Not just what I provide, what I can do, you love me. And my question today is, can you honestly say that to God? God, I'm not just here because I, I want you to fix this, fix that, offer me this, offer me that. But I love you. And I can't wait till you return. That's heaven to me, is knowing you. Not stuff. Is that really you? For those of you who were raised in church, your whole life you've been taught this is a relationship, right? Not a religion, it's a relationship. But has it been? Has it been a love relationship where you've loved Him or just everything He provides? See, this whole idea of, of joy comes from knowing Him, not just all the stuff He offers. And I thank God for the instability because it makes me reach for Him and fellowship with Him. And that's what this book's all about. That's what the Bible's all about. People who fellowship with Him. And when they can get other people to fellowship with Him, their joy is complete. You know, the worship team's going to come up right now. And there's a song that we're going to sing right now. And this is so cool how this happened. Because all week long, there's been this song in my head where I just thought, gosh... I need to tell Jim we need to sing this song, even though it's an older song and we haven't sung it in years. And, but it's, you know, and I never got to talk to him. And I show up for church last night, and what do we sing right after the, the message? That song that I just thought, I don't even know if he knows it or whatever, but it just, it's all about knowing God and saying, you know what, God? All that other stuff doesn't matter. Just knowing you. But only sing this if you mean it. You guys, my prayer is during this worship time, you guys, don't connect with Jim and the worship band or anyone else. Connect with God. Tell Him, the person, 
that you don't just love all this stuff, you love knowing Him. And everything on this earth that leads you toward Him, you go, you know what, I'll take it. Because I want you more than anything. Connect with Him. And if any of you need prayer, you're going, gosh, I, I don't know if I even have a relationship with Him. I don't know if I have any love for Him. Or maybe you're going, you know what, this is the perfect weekend. For I feel like everything's going to fall apart. I want to pray with you because I can't help you. Holding my hand isn't going to do you any good. All I can do is just point to, to whose hand you can grab and tell you, you know what, there's no security outside of him. And yet with him, there's perfect peace, perfect security. And so as we...